have you ever wanted to guest on a podcast like this one that you're listening to right now? Well, you can. You can definitely do this by visiting a website called Podmatch, where you can sign up and be available for all different types of podcasts that you can guest on. Or you can even search for a podcast and say, I want to I want to guest on your podcast. I think we'd be a good match. So if you want to do this, you can go to our unique link, which is joinpodmatch.com forward slash reality. And you can sign up and do exactly that. And you can find us and you can guest on our podcast. So again, that unique link is www.joinpodmatch.com. That's J-O-I-N-P-O-D-M-A-T-C-H.com forward slash reality, R-E-A-L-I-T-E-A. And you can be a guest on our podcast. Welcome to Reality Tea Times 2, the podcast where we discuss all the trash reality TV we love to hate. I'm Tanika, and a lot of trash we get this episode. So, yeah. <laughs> so, obviously, as you can tell by the title of the episode, we're going to be discussing B90. And so, we don't have any hot cross necessarily at the top of the episode. Um, but I do want to address some rumors that have been circulating about a certain cast member in the last week or so. So once we get to their segment, I will talk about it before we jump into, um, their segment. But of course, as always, I do have memes for this episode. So meme number one. Nicola's mother is as shocked as we are that someone like Misha would give her loser son the time of day. Next. Unfortunately, traumatized people get off on traumatizing other people. Amanda's damaged goods and damaging others doesn't even make her flinch for one second. Now, I do hate the term, you know, damaged goods, but... It's not too far off. Next meme. The mom is happy, Nico. Just getting out of the house with a woman. What did I say last week? (laughs) Next. The only affection Amanda has shown all season when Roswin has finally had enough. She wants what she can't have. A little too late. Next. It's the toothbrush cameo for me. (laughs) Oh, God. Next meme. As if it wasn't enough, the stylist, to tell him you have the smallest neck for a man I've ever seen. But then his girlfriend pipes up and says, yeah, my Adam's apple is as twice as large as his. Oh, man. Next, and these are more of the, you know, tidbits. 
Rosvin had to explain to Amanda that bringing her passport to Croatia was necessary because Croatia and Romania are different countries. You trying to tell me you didn't know this? Ma'am, how dumb are you? Next, Amanda admitted to Rosvin that sometimes it's easier for her to be mean than to be emotional. Can we say trauma? Next, when Nikola complained to his brothers about how many clothes Misha had brought, his brother replied with, if you understand women, you understand God. Misha approvingly chimed in with, amen to that. Next, before their fight last night, things had been going so well that Amanda called her kids back home and asked if it was okay for Rosman to come visit. They said yes, and were so excited they offered to let him sleep in their beds. Hmm. Next, when Riley said it's normal to hire a private investigator in the U.S. Just be quiet now. <laughs> I mean, we'll get there. My goodness. Next, Jasmine is afraid the reason her visa has not yet been approved is because they found out she and Gino met on a sugar baby website. I don't think they care. Next, Cleo complimented the store clerk on his costume, but he explained that these were just his normal clothes. I hope he's joking. <laughs> but that is it for the memes for this week. So let's get into the reason that we are here. B90, Season 6, Episode 13, Modern Romance. And first, great segue, we're going to be talking about Christian and Cleo. So they're going to costume shop. They are in there kind of perusing and they decide that they're going to go for like the 20s look. He wants her to kind of look like a flapper girl and he's going to look like a 20s gangster. Um, so he ends up calling her a floozy and she doesn't know what a floozy means. Why did you call her a floozy? I'm confused. Like you don't have to embody the, the, the character that much. Um, they also um, do like the Charleston kind of, I think it's called Charleston. Um, I'm not sure because Charleston is the Lindy that sounds, that's actually very similar, but anyway, um, so they do like that dance and yeah. Then the store clerk is going to be measuring Christian's neck and the clerk tells him that he has a very small neck. And as I read in the memes, Cleo says that her Adam's apple is bigger than his neck. Um, at this point, then they decide they're going to do like the medieval costume look. He looks like a knight. She just looks like a regular old maiden. I don't know. But she thinks he looks hot. And I said, Oh. As I keep saying, teach their own, I guess. He did buy a gift for her the night before. 
and it's a sterling silver necklace. And I said, I mean, I know sterling silver has kind of gone up in price lately, but you couldn't get some gold. Come on now. But anyway, it's the thought that counts, right? Right. He says that he wanted to show his his love for her. And she did kind of catch that he said love for her. So in the next scene, we find out that he is going to be celebrating Thanksgiving in London this year. This is kind of weird for him to not be spending it with his family. And what actually I didn't realize is they don't celebrate Thanksgiving um, in England. Now, I know like the reason the horrific reason behind Thanksgiving in the States is a little different than what I think our history in Canada is. Maybe that's ignorant of me, though. But we celebrate Thanksgiving on a completely different day um, than uh, the States does. And completely different month. <laughs> we are celebrating Thanksgiving in Canada the month before. So, um... So I was a little surprised because I'm like, okay, so why do we celebrate Thanksgiving in Canada? Because we really do take the influence from England, even though we're not a part of England anymore. We're not a part of the Commonwealth anymore, but we still really are influenced by England. So I was actually very shocked to learn they don't celebrate it. I'm like, oh, okay. So this is why this is kind of foreign to her because they don't celebrate it in England. I'm assuming they don't celebrate it in Italy where she's from. So this is a new experience for her. So they go to a grocery store. They're going to go to do some grocery shopping. And for some fucking reason, this guy is shocked to see pineapple like, oh, look, it's pineapple. Well, that's not really Thanksgiving food, but it's pineapple. And I was like, so do you think that they don't get pineapple in England? They're not a third world country. They get shit. I am very confused by his excitement to have pineapple in his face. And then he kind of sees like corn I'm assuming it looked like it was on a cob, but it was like wrapped in like the plastic and the foam container. Um, and he's like, oh yeah, like there's this corn, but we're not actually not going to use that corn. We're going to use canned corn. I was like, so then why are you pointing out the corn then? Wait till you get to look at the canned corn. And who chooses canned corn over real corn? I, I Maybe this makes me weird. I hate canned corn. So basically for me, you're lucky if you catch me eating corn that's from a can. The only time I eat corn is when it's in season on a cob. I absolutely hate canned corn. It's disgusting. That's me. But anyway. Um, so they go to the clerk where they're going to get the turkey to get a small enough turkey that's going to fit in the oven. And I clocked that this clerk touched his earbud with his gloved hand. 
he then right after doing that handled this turkey. So my question is to him, did, first of all, number one, you touched a foreign object that I don't know how you keep clean and then touched my fucking turkey. There's that point. Second point, you're then taking your meat covered hand potentially and touching the fucking earbud in your ear so that now your earbud is going to have salmonella poisoning. Why are people so nasty? I'm so confused. Like, I couldn't even think about anything else. I saw him do that and I'm like, ew. Disgusting. Anyway, so after Cleo tells him that she has class and he's going to be in class for a while after the grocery shopping. So he says, that's fine. I'm going to, I'll go to the bar and I'll have a couple pints. Oh boy. And, um, after class, you don't know how long it's been. They might've told us, but I don't think we, they did, but she comes back to the Airbnb and y'all, he is drunk and he tells her that he had a couple of old fashions. And I mean, I've never had an old fashioned, but I know it's strong from what I've heard um, from other people. But anyway, so yeah. And not only did he have the old fashions, but he clearly got into a bottle of wine and said, I left you some, so I didn't drink at all. Oh my God. So he is on another level. He is so happy with just life. And he tells Cleo in this moment that while at the pub, he met an American girl. And he's like, it's so strange that I met an American girl. And I said, you're in fucking England, sir. There are going to be people in England that are not just from England. You're going to have people who potentially are from America or Canada or even other places in the United Kingdom. People go to fucking England. Like, I don't, I was so confused. And I don't mention those people who could be traveling the same way you are on vacation, you know, whatever, or maybe someone's going to school in England or whatever the case may be. It's, it's fucking, it's England, bro. You're not in fucking, I don't know where else, like India or something. You're not there where maybe the chances of finding someone who's American might be a little slimmer, but still not unheard of. I was like, how ignorant are you? There are potential ex. I hate even say call them expats because it's it's England, but that's what they're called. There, there could be expats in England, as in any other country. Why was he so happy to? See- oh my god! Anyway, um. Anyway, he says, you know, like like I said, what are the odds? Pretty fucking great, sir. <laughs> And then he, we see like a clip of him talking to this girl and he tells her, you know, I'm not a big drinker. You aren't? This is the second, no, not even second, the third time we see 
the results of your fucking drinking. Number one was the airplane. You drink to an extent where you freak out these women who just want to fucking sleep on the plane. And you're literally told to go back to your fucking seat and shut the fuck up. Watch your James Bond movies and shut up. Second time, you go out with Cleo for the very first time. You don't pay attention to her. Instead, you talk to other women at the bar or whatever you were and rope them into your conversation. Now, I don't know how drunk he was, but he was maybe definitely getting to the next level. I don't know. And now this, you go to a pub by yourself. Oh my God, you mean an American woman. And you're so excited. Who clearly is a production, like, just added into the situation. She's being paid. And you get drunk to this extent with this person that you're about to do what you're about to do. Let's get to it. So he ends up telling Cleo that he invited said woman to Thanksgiving dinner at the Airbnb. Oh my God. It is a fucking miracle this guy's alive. Are you fucking kidding me? You don't know this woman's a fucking serial killer. We don't, we, we, are you, mm. you invited a complete fucking stranger into the place where you are staying that's supposed to be your safety, your sanctuary, and you're inviting a complete stranger. I would fucking lose my mind. I would say, yeah, yeah, you and this person, this stranger can go elsewhere. You're not, mm, you're not coming here. No. I am so confused by him. And she says to her to the other part of this, which fucking even like forget that for a second. Just the whole idea of him inviting a stranger into your home is there's it's so multi-layered that the safety of it the fact that you don't know who this person is and you're just inviting them because she's American and the fact that she's a woman too you're just inviting her like and she's told you this makes her uncomfortable and you still do it like but then she does say the other half of this is I'm autistic I thrive in my environment and I need my environment to be familiar and I need to feel safe in my environment. You invite a complete stranger into this home when I'm going to be, you know, out of my element cooking and all this. And she says, it makes her very flustered to begin with. And then you're adding an extra element to that. And it's like, she's not going to be able to put up a front the same way as maybe somebody who is not autistic or have some sort of you know, narrow divergence. It's just, it's just not going to happen. And this is what he doesn't seem to fucking understand. And again, 
again, the, when I talk about the fact that I have a very close family member who is autistic, I see that firsthand. It's very different because I think how my family member versus Cleo, how they um, present is very different to certain, to some extent. But the, the, the basics is very similar. And I see my family member who will go out with his friends or whatever and thrive very differently with them. And then when he's home with family, with people he's comfortable with and used to, you know, he's just a different priest. He not so much different. He's just himself and he feels comfortable and he thrives in what he expects to be his norm. You shift that a little bit and it's not so much that they can't adapt to the change, but you need to give them more of a heads up than the night fucking before. And yet still it's not a complete stranger. It might be stranger to them, dependent, but, you know, they're not a stranger to somebody else necessarily. In this case, this woman is a stranger to everybody who's going to be in that fucking home. And it, uh, I think the problem is, is that he sees a side of Cleo and he thinks that's who she is in every aspect of her life. No, that's not the case. She has to fully mentally prepare herself to be um, a certain way. But again, how she is with her friends, and we see it, how comfortable she is with like Jane um, being able to open up freely because she's used to her. And then how she is with Cleo, um, sorry, not Cleo, God, how she is with Christian, it's very different. She's used to him. She's comfortable with him to a certain extent, but she still has to act a certain way because that. She's still getting used to him, right? I'm sure how she is in school is very different. If she has a job, how she is in her job is very different. She's going to have these different layers. And again, that's not to say that we all don't do that, whether we are on a spectrum or not. We all kind of do that. How I am with my friends is very different than how I am with my partner, than how I am with my family, than how I am with my employees, my, my, you know, my co-workers, it's very different. And even within different relationships, it just is changing, right? Not to say that, but it's different when you are on a spectrum and you have to learn to adapt. You can't throw shit on her. And that's what he's doing. He has no fucking clue. And no matter how many times she tells him, this is what I need. This is why I, I need to be able to thrive in my life. I need these, these comfortable modes. I am a creature of habit. I need to be a creature of habit to function. Just to, you know, put it basic. He doesn't fucking get it. And it's frustrating. It's frustrating that he doesn't have any fucking wherewithal in his head. In this case, he's drunk, but... Like, is this a fucking norm for you that you just invite random people into your home that you don't know? And he uses the excuse of, 
as we see in the next time on, this is who I am. That's a fucking cop out. But anyway, I'm done with my rant. <laughs> I could go on and on about this guy and how he treats her. It's just ridiculous. Um, but um, let's continue. She says in her in the moment that she's starting to see a pattern that he needs constant validation from women. And she isn't wrong. That's another aspect of it as well. Why do you need to have constant validation from the opposite sex? What is with that? It. I don't know. I know she wants to stick with him and make this work, but I don't get it. I don't get why she is willing to take his shit. No, it sounds like I don't understand. I understand, but don't lower your standards and your values, your your self-worth for somebody who is not serving you. Because there could be somebody out there, and I think I said this before, there could be somebody out there who's willing to look past her, as she wants to put a quote-unquote flaws, which I don't see as flaws. It's who she is. You're artistic. That's what makes you you. It's not who you are, but it's what makes you you. You're transgender. That is who you are. That's what makes you you. And if you can't find someone who's willing to accept it, then say fuck you and goodbye. Because there most likely is someone out there that will accept you for you and love you and and respect you and and, and everything. He lacks the fucking basics of respect for her. That's what's so irritating. But that's it for Cleo and Christian, I promise, for this week. Um, now we're going to go on to Misha and Nicola. What the fucking... I was expecting... Uh, I kind of wanted to hate her a, a little bit. Just because that's what I was expecting. That's what I was offered. That's what I was, that's what I was told. Fuck you, Nicola. Anyway, let's, let's go on. So she says... And like her in the moment that he's very far away from her on this couch right now. And in this moment, he tells them how he first met Misha. Listen to this shit. He says, she posted on Facebook about Jesus. I corrected her. You corrected her? First of all, number one, I want to know what this post is. And what you need a fucking correcting on. Number two. I'm sure nothing is that how you want to view God, Jesus, all of that is so fucking personal. So she doesn't need to be fucking corrected. If you want to start a conversation, fine. But she doesn't need to be fucking corrected. She doesn't. Fucking patriarchy. That's what it is. 
I'm it's so fucking she doesn't need you to mansplain to her. She, she was wrong about Jesus, so I corrected her. Fuck you. Um anyway. He um says that they then started talking on the phone about three years later or so. Um he says the relationship grew romantically and he says you know, the reason she's here is to spend time with me and to hopefully get engaged at the end of the trip. Brothers are shocked. And Misha does ask one of the brothers, I can't remember who it is, but she says both of them. And um, if they can tell Nadia, um, so they do. And mom says, tell her that mom is happy the fuck? Listen, I'm happy she's happy. I'm happy she's happy. But Nicola, you son of a bitch, you told us. You promised us drama. Okay? You told us that your mom is gonna hate her because she's this fucking whore. <laughs> His words, not mine. Um, and you, you promised this. You didn't fucking deliver. Yeah. Don't promise me a good time and then I don't get it. What's wrong with you? Anyway. Misha says that she, you know, she's happy, that she's happy, blah, blah, blah. And they do ask, one of the brothers ask, I think the older one, where will you be living if you do get it, they get married? And Misha says in the States. And um, the brothers end up telling the mom, he's going to move to the States and be gone forever. I said, God damn, he can't come back? Israel's like, don't come back? Well, no, that's not true because Alexei went to the States and he's been back twice, as, as we know. Or three times, actually, as we know. Um, He can never come back? Like, ever? <laughs> that fucking hilarious he's never coming back like, Jesus um mom says great I'll visit <laughs> I'm like oh my god she's accepting I mean again this guy's 46 years old but she's accepting everything and I'm like I'm so happy that she's happy and she's accepting everything and she seems she's an absolute gem. But I'm like, fuck Nick Nicola promised us drama and we're not getting it. This went too fucking easy. Um Nadia says that sorry, no, not Nadia, Mish Nicola, sorry. Nicola says that Misha is Catholic, but before she was Catholic she didn't know God, and I said, fuck, God damn it. <sighs> Just because she wasn't quote-unquote Catholic or whatever, I don't know if she recognized any religion or whatever, but she could have been spiritual. She could have been agnostic. Like, she didn't have to be Catholic or whatever to find God. But again, that's how it is in Catholic religion or Christianity. That's how it is. It's like, okay, well, you're fucking thieving. 
you evil, evil person because you haven't found God. And it's like, I don't need you to know whether or not I found God. I need to know within myself if I if I found God and God will know. Or whatever higher being you believe in, they'll know. Like, it's that fucking judgment that drives me fucking insane. Which is why you will never catch me in a Catholic church again. Which is why, like, I just, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. Anyway. But I love what I believe in. It's important to me. But I don't need acceptance from anybody else in order to know I believe. But anyways, let's continue. He goes on to say that she was married and has two daughters. Brothers are very surprised that he would not marry a virgin. Let me rephrase. The brothers said that they are surprised that he would not marry a virgin. And I read between the lines here. I'm like, you clearly don't give a shit what the fuck he does. You're going based on what he has said. So um, the brothers tell the mom everything that he has said. And the mom says, so what? Thank you. And she says, tell him. She says, sorry, she says to to the brothers to tell Misha that I tell him all the time to come on and get the fuck on with finding somebody. And they basically say, like, you're not going to fucking find a virgin at this point in your life. Like, you're just not. And they kind of do say, the brothers, like, you need to be more open with your expectations and all of this. Like, you can't be so judgy. They, they, his family is fantastic. Where the fuck did he come from? Really and truly. But you're, at this point in your life, he's 46 years old. You're not going to find a virgin. You're just not. Guaranteeing by the time some woman hits 2025, if whatever, you know, late is 25, they're no longer virgins. They're just not. Like, there's chances of you finding a virgin is slim to none at, at a certain point in, in a woman's life. So, what are you going to do? Marry a fucking teenager? Like, and that's a whole other set of problems. Like, it's. He's not fucking realistic. You're not 30. You're almost 50. Be fucking thankful that you found a woman who wants to fuck you in the future. The brothers kind of say in an interview after the fact that they think that maybe why he didn't tell them about Misha is because of the fact that she is divorced and they maybe he thought that they would have a problem with, with it. They don't give a shit. He gets shit though. And Misha kind of catches on to that. Because um, she says, you know, his family is more than accepting. So what was this? She's starting to wonder if, does Nicola have a problem? 
with me being married before and having kids. Yeah. Yeah, he is. And the bullshit he tries to tell her in the next scene, I'm like, fuck you. I don't believe you. And I don't want her to believe you either. But for those who know the spoiler at this point, do you believe them? It's fucking ridiculous. Anyway. Um, in the next scene, we see some people jumping from a rock into the ocean. Fun. Um, he says, you know, I went so well the other day. So let's celebrate. So they're in a place called, I think it's pronounced Acre. Acre. Maybe Acre. That sounds better. But anyways, I think it's Acre. That's where they are. Um, he kind of shows her around. He spent a lot of time there when he was younger. I think his grandma lived there. Um, he actually does show her like the window to the bedroom and he kind of like hits the window and I'm like, what if someone's in there? You could have just fucking freaked them out. Like, what's wrong with you? Why are you hitting the window for? But he does say like it's a very old town and yeah, he loves it. Anyway, they're going to go to a restaurant and they're going to go have some hummus. He says that it's the best hummus ever. I swear to you. He says that. I swear to you. Anyway. Um, so she kind of in the, in the moment says that she's very confused by his behavior. Um, and doesn't quite understand again, like why it had to be the way it was. Why she had to fight tooth and nail for him to let her meet the family. Um, so anyway, they make, they order or whatever. And he kind of yells to the waitress. Her name is, um, I think it's Irene or Irene, um, for coffee. And Misha is absolutely mortified. She says, don't yell. And he's like, I know her. <laughs> he's like, everybody knows everybody here. And then he has to make a fucking dig and say, what do you think you're in Minnesota? I first of all, Avery Goshi's from Minnesota. And number two, what does that have to do with anything? So they kind of start talking about the day before, and I guess Misha's kind of showing a different thing that he wasn't expecting. And he's like, What's wrong? Um, and she says, You know, yesterday. And she says, like, you're you you're so quick for your family to not like me. And they were more than accepting, which is perfect. It's great. But like, why? And he says, no, like, it's not about that. And she says that there was zero affection between them. She's like, we were barely friends, much less romantically involved. Like, you know, he says it was the hardest day for him, but it went well, motherfuckers. What's, what's, uh, mm. he said it stressed him, poor baby. She asked, like, do you have a problem with me being divorced? Is there anything that bothers you about my past? And he says, no, you know how much I love you. Very love, Bommy. 
not quite to the level of what we'll see with Amanda in, in, a, in a little bit, but to a certain extent. And he can kind of see that maybe she's doubting him. And he says that the her doubt, it bothers him. He's worried that maybe she won't want to continue on with him. And I said, yeah, she shouldn't continue on with you. She can do so much better than you. Anyway, that's it for Misha and Nicola. So next, we are going to be talking about David and Sheila. So there isn't a whole lot here, usually, these days with David and Sheila. Um, But we'll just go right through it. So David is going to be going shopping on his own. He tells us that Sheila is at a prayer service for her mom. So he's going to be going out by himself. Obviously, this is a big thing for him because he's in a foreign country. Anyway, so he is going to Cebu to do the shopping. I Maybe I'm incorrect here, but isn't that where Brandon and um, Mary is in Cebu? Maybe I'm wrong, but I thought that's maybe where they were. Maybe they're nearby there. I don't know. Um, anyway, so he says, you know, it's good that she's away because he has plans. Oh, he's getting. He says that Amy is not available to help him today. So yeah, he's completely alone. He is scared about the language barriers that he could face while trying to do the shopping. He says, you know, will I be able to navigate the market by myself? Maybe if he asks someone for directions, are they going to be able to help me or will they help me? So he's very stressed out about that, but he does get a taxi ordered for him to take him to the market, gets to the market, and basically he's just trying to find his way through. But he does come up to um, a store clerk and he asks if she can direct him to the ring shop. And she does. She points him in the right direction. And yeah. He gets there and he tells us in the moment that tomorrow they're going to be going on a romantic trip and it's there that he is planning to propose because he doesn't have much more time to, to do it. He says that she makes his heart flutter and I thought that was so sweet. Um, so he's in the shop now and he tells her the woman, the woman, the, the clerk tells her that, um, I'm deaf and, um, yeah, obviously can't hear anything. So as they're going through the rings and trying to pick out the one that he likes, she's trying to talk to him, but he's not looking at her. He's looking out of the rings. And he's, she's trying to talk to him, 
But then she's like, he can't hear me. And I said, no fucking shit. The first thing this man told you is, I am deaf. And he's also mute. So he can't talk to you, nor could he hear you. I, I, I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and then she's getting frustrated because he can't hear. And it's like, he told you from the back, from the beginning, he can't hear. So maybe wait till he's looking up at you before he starts talking. Just a thought. Um, he says he has difficulty um, communicating with her. He's getting very frustrated, but he says that Sheila is worth it. So he finds a ring that he likes. I didn't get the conversion here, but um, he's basically paying 83 US dollars for this ring. And I said, holy shit. No wonder that's why he waited to do the ring shopping in the Philippines. That's pretty that's crazy. Anyway, he um he wonders that maybe now might not be the right time to be proposing to her with her mom passing and everything, but at the same time, like mentioned before, they don't have a whole lot of time, you know, left with each other. I think he's leaving in less than a week. So the next scene we see with them, they are getting ready to go on their trip. Amy will not be coming. Sheila says that she wants privacy. And he's agree, agreeing with this. He says that they have things that they need to talk about. And it's probably better without Amy. Hopefully we do see her again soon, though. <laughs> um, so they, you know, they're getting there to... Their, their destination and on the way there you know he says that he looks forward to food and the beach and making love a lot and she says that the first time as we know they tried didn't work out that way she basically said that his dick is too big not basically, that's literally what she said. She tells him to be gentle with her. It's not fun. I'm kidding. Okay. <laughs> so they get there, they check in, all that, and they get to the room, and the room is so nice. And he does say, though, that he will have to work really hard and long hours in order to pay for this trip. So they sit down and they're kind of conversing with the phones and he tells her, no more phones, just sign to me. He says, show me what you got. So she says, like, I will try. And she's definitely trying. You can tell, like, she does kind of know the letters. Um, when you can kind of see, like, how broken it is for her and trying to do it. But he does ask her, like, why didn't you learn before? And she says, well, before you were texting in little sign language. So I, I guess she felt like there was no need to. But I didn't like this answer. This is the first time I wasn't on Sheila's side. I, I, I didn't like it. Because I understand, yes, you are texting a lot more than you are 
video calling with each other and talking to each other in that way. But you know, this is something you need to learn. And if you want to have this relationship work for you guys, you'll need to learn the language in order to talk to him. Um, so why wouldn't you do that? I'm confused by that. Again, like, you know, let's say hypothetically, my boyfriend, like I said, my have already, he is South African. He's not born in Canada. Um, so with that being said, English is not his first language. I'm not saying we met and he didn't speak great English or anything was just phenomenal, despite what he thinks. But, you know, his English is great and he, you know, obviously can have a conversation. He's been living here for over 10 years now. So he, he knows the language and, but what if he didn't? I would try my best to learn the language so that I could talk to him um, because that's what you do and vice versa. But the only, obviously the only difference here is he can't do that. He is incapable of learning her language in the sense of that he can speak to her because he's mute. And even if he wasn't mute, he still can't hear you when you talk. So he's not able to learn. I mean, I do wonder if he is capable of learning how to read lips. But I also wonder if now at this point in his life, it's just not going to happen. You know? So I'm like, I know learning a language is really difficult the older you are. But, you know, you have to try. And you have so much time to try. So why didn't you? So that's the one thing I'm like, let him like that. <laughs> you should have been trying. And he says to her, you know, learn all you can, you know, so that you can be fluent. And that's basically, I guess, the end of the hard conversations. Because like a true woman trying to shut her man up says, you want to go shower? And he says, yes, and they go shower. So that's, um, but yeah, that's basically it for Sheila and David. Do you want to spice up your love life? Well, you can make that happen by going to Love Shop, where you can get sorts of different things, whether it's for both you and your partner or just for yourself. For solo play, you can get things, all types of vibrators, maybe more kinky type toys or you can just buy what every person may need like lingerie or protection or even just something to make it a little more fun like games or novelty things you can do all of this by going to love shop and you can use our unique coupon code realityt2 to get 10% on anything your hearts desire. So that's loveshop.ca, L-O-V-E-S-H-O-P.ca, and use our unique coupon code REALITY2, that's R-E-A-L-I-T-E-A, and the number 2. Next. 
Let's go into the meat of the episode. Oh my God, this was fucking fantastic. Dino and Jasmine. So Jasmine tells him that it's a small day. And she's trying to say, okay, I'm going to wipe your face off first, but this hat's in the way. So she's like, your hat. And he's like, nope, nope, nope. Because the last time you touched my hat, you flung it across the room. And the whole fucking world was on my bald head and patch of hair. So he ends up flipping the hat around so she can do what she wants to do. And she steams his face and is like, what's that? And he says, close your eyes and your mouth. Don't speak. Um, she puts a mask on his face and giving him a massage. But then she says, you know, when you're here, you know, it gets back, it gets better. You know, we get back on track with communication. But when you leave, our communication gets bad again. And then we just keep going through this cycle. And she kind of says, I guess, like, why don't you stay? And he says, like, how about we enjoy the spa day? Why do we talk about this right now? And he does say, like, I can't stay here. I have to work in order to sponsor you. Hmm. And um, and she says, because you're leaving and you always abandon me. Here we go with the abandon for her again. He apparently told her, which this is some bullshit. He fucking lied to her. He told her that the K-1 visa would be approved initially after six months. Where the fuck did you get that number? I don't think K-1 visas have ever been approved in six months in the entirety of this show. What the fuck are you talking about? Maybe back in the day, I don't know when, like, I don't know, the 1950s, they maybe did. (laughs) Six months? Are you fucking insane? This is why I feel like he never did it. Right at least never did it when he said he was going to do it. Because where the fuck did you get that number? I don't know how it looks like on the United Immigration website. But here in Canada, as I said, I have some experience with this, doing this with my ex. When you go online, it literally tells you how long it's going to take. It tells, it tells you. It tells you the status of your application. Again, there's only really three stages. Um, and it also tells you the duration. At the point you start to, to the end. Where the hell did you get six months from? Um, and then anyway, he continues on saying that he would then tell her it was going to take 12 months and now it's been 13 months. And anyway, she says, you know, or he says, sorry, he says that when he gets back home, he's going to call immigration, figure out what's going on, see if he can speed the process along. And she says, she says, okay, fine. Listen, if I can't have my man, then I want my apartment. Wait, I don't think I remember this, but her apartment costs 3000 fucking dollars. <laughs> you better find a new fucking apartment, girl. Anyway, she says she doesn't want to move again. He says... 
this is the best of the best. And he says, can we find something cheaper? And he says, I will get a good place for you. Don't worry. But he says, I want this place. And he says, get out your phone. Let's look at a place that's like within the $1,500, $2,000 mark. That's very generous when it's going to be basically him paying for it, plus whatever expenses he has. That's that's great. I wouldn't complain. Um, but she's complaining. And she says, why can't you just say yes to me? And then, and then the kicker, guys, I basically brought all of this into fucking motion. He says, you sound a little spoiled. (laughs) Here comes Hurricane Jasmine. She says, I have to be spoiled because I asked you to help pay for this apartment. First of all, it wouldn't be helping, it would be just him doing it, and it's a lot of money. Um, she says, You <laughs> you paid for your sugar babies. You took your ex to Disney and Legoland. We're back at it. We're bringing back Disney and Legoland and the sugar babies. First of all, I'll say, listen, Disney's expensive. I don't know any experience about Legoland, but Disney's expensive. But it's something you save up for, you save up towards, and then it's a one-time thing. It's a one-time thing. And I think the problem is that he's not being fucking truthful with her in terms of how long this process is going to take. He could, I think he very well knows he can end up paying a hell of a lot more than just $3,000 for one month's rent. He knows she's not going to be there next month. And I think deep down she knows that too. And that's probably why she's getting mad. Partially. (laughs) Why she's getting mad. Um, Anyway, so she says, you know, a week that you, or the, the money that you paid for a week at Disney, you know, you can't pay for a month in rent. And I again said, but you don't know what he was doing in order to pay for that trip. Anyway, he says, you can't compare the two. I 100% agree. You can't. Um, And at this point now, they're basically calling each other trash. She um, throws his clothes on the ground. He throws her clothes on the ground. Um, She goes into the bathroom and she slams the door and she has yelled at him at this point to get out of my apartment or whatever. Um, that she opens the door and throws out his deodorant. She then comes back out at this point and is just screaming a hundred times, fuck you, is what she says. You pay for all of your bitches. Um, she calls him a cheap weirdo. And I want you to die. This is what she says to him. What should I, I should have put a trigger warning out of that. Uh, she says that to him. And I, I didn't catch that the first time I watched. But the second time I watched, I said, oh my God, she just fucking said that to him. And listen, I know in the heat of the moment, people can say some really nasty things. I have done it too. And but I, I am able to then say to myself, oh my God, I can't believe I just said that. 
And I will go back and I will apologize and say, that is something you'll never hear me say again. But it took a lot of buildup, anger, frustration that just led me to that point and I immediately regretted it. Her, what the fuck is going on that you have to say this to him? And I don't think for a second she regrets what she says to him. Not at all. Don't ever wish death on anyone. I don't care what they've done to you. Just don't do it. It's really fucking horrible that she said that to him. Um, she again screams at him to get out of my house. And I said, you mean his house? Anyway, he says, you know, we're done. And then she throws out the electric toothbrush. Boom. This poor toothbrush has gotten fucking beating. It got thrown last season. It's getting thrown this season. Like, this poor toothbrush. (laughs) She comes back out of the bathroom. And she says that he doesn't love or appreciate her. She then goes out to the living room. and She's crying. That's where he is. And she feels that maybe he just doesn't actually want to be with her. She's scared. She says to go to the States. And again, all that she says at this point is very valid. I don't doubt, I don't, I don't begrudge her this. Um, it's just her fucking delivery. But anyway, she's like, yeah, anyway, so she says she's scared to go to the States. Um, she wants to have, so she says she won't have anyone when she goes to the States. She says, I ask you for financial help and you don't help me. Okay, but your financial help that you're asking him for is maybe over and beyond what he can do. But he does say that's bullshit. She says, moving gives me anxiety. She says she loves it in Panama. She was born and raised there. So I said, so I'm telling you to leave. No telling you to leave. You made the choice. That's you have to take responsibility for the choices you make as well. Anyway, she feels he won't treat, he won't treat her well, like he'll treat her badly. And he said he wouldn't be treating her badly. And she says, but you treat badly here in Panama. So how can I trust that? He says, I will not pay $3,000 a month on, on rent. And she says, because you won't be affected. And I said, maybe he won't be affected in the sense that he has to move anywhere, but his pocketbook's going to be fucking affected. (laughs) And then the fucking gold of this segment, they're in the end of the moment. And she says, I've bust my ass for him. Or sorry, he says, I bust my ass for her. She doesn't feel like she has a priority. She wants to be more important than his family. He says, it's a tie. Do you know the fuck you're dealing with? Keep that shit to yourself. But I understand what he's saying, obviously. And she says, like, I don't want to be tied with anyone. 
And I said, okay, but wait, you want him to treat you as you're the most important thing to him. And you say like, you know, you do that for him. What about your kids? And, and honestly, the love and whatever the you have for your kids and then with Gino, that shit should not be tied. Your children should be the most important thing in your life. Fuck Gino. Like, you know what I mean? So I'm like, it's this double standard of family is important. That's never going to change. The fact that you want him to basically view you as the most important thing and he needs to put you first. That's the start of alienation. That's abuse. Let's continue with the fucking abuse. <laughs> because she says to him, like, as he kind of like, is trying to say, like, oh, won't we get married or some shit? I'm like, no, don't do that. But she says, fuck marriage. She calls him a piece of shit. And he says, like, don't you think my family is important? Do you have any brains in your head? He says. And I said, whoa. And he calls her an idiot, double O. He, um, she tells him, your family is trash. Not Uncle Marco. <laughs> I think that's his name. He says, you're trash. Then we're on the tit for tat. And she says, I'm going to go and fuck my ex that knows how to fuck me oh my god it gets better for those who didn't watch it gets better um she says that he is the best man i have ever had and i'm going back to him he says yeah go back and she says, he is the most important person in her life. Again, not your children. Cool, cool. Um, he tells her to go fuck herself and to go to hell. I said, yes, Gino. Then she says, okay, do you want to see a video of me fucking with Dane Dan? It was recent from one month ago. I feel validated. Because I said it, there's no fucking way this girl is not fucking him. First of all, he's gorgeous. There's no fucking way she's not fucking him when she's not getting any from fucking Gino when he is there. Of course she fucked him. She, oh my god. <laughs> she probably moved in and fucked him right afterwards. Oh my god. Oh my god, this is fucking gold. Anyway, he says, yeah, if it's true, go fuck yourself. And she says, I swear it's true. And then he calls her a fucking whore. Shit. And then he leaves. And she leaves. And Again, this was all during in the moment, okay? All of this was in the moment. Not the moment, but, you know, interview. <laughs> he calls her a psycho after she leaves, and she 
says, I don't want to see him. I don't want to breathe the same oxygen as him. This is it. You promise? Fuck. You guys were fucking doomed to not work. It's just not going to work. But anyway, I thought that was fucking cold. It was great. It was everything I was waiting for. From the moment I saw, like the next, the season on, it was like, I'm like, oh yes, pouring it on. And we're there. But that's it for Gino and Jasmine for for this week. And looks next week as well. We're not getting any Gino and Jasmine. I'm very disappointed. But I see you. I see you, TLC, Matt Sharp, whoever. I see you. I know what you're doing. So now we are with Riley and Violet. So they're meeting on a market and they see something that looks like jackfruit. It's not jackfruit. I know they said the name of the fruit, but I didn't catch it. Anyway, I think it smells weird. I'm guessing just based on his reaction. I'm not sure. Um, but they cut it open and he does try it. Um, but he is not about it. He doesn't like it. He basically describes the taste of this fruit as if his he were to eat his dog's poop, <laughs> but first sauteed them in garlic sauce. And I said, that's very fucking descriptive. What the fuck? <laughs> but they do sit down and they're going to have, you know, they're going to talk, whatever. And he says, we're a lot of smells and it's making him very nauseous. He does ask for some water, um, kind of forcefully at one point. Um, but he has this water, whatever. Um, she does say in this moment that he always destroys their good moments together. She thinks that he doesn't believe her really about anything that she says. Um, and that he doesn't trust her. She wants to know in this moment, like, what happened with your ex? And I said, well, girl, he found someone trapped in the closet. Yeah. Anyway. But his explanation, he... He says that, you know, the girl, you know, whenever he was on the phone with her and he would hear something in the background, but then she'd be like, it's nothing. And then he explains, he went to the house, found this guy in the closet. He knows the guy, blah, blah, blah. So I said, okay, so she's garbage too, because she gaslit him. Um, No one deserves that, even garbage rally. But I'm like, huh, interesting. Because I can't imagine like feeling like you know something's happening and you're made to feel crazy that it's not actually happening. And I, I've i been there too, to a certain extent, um, in a similar way of, of what he's dealing with here. I knew I was being cheated on by my ex. I felt it in my bones, yet he would make me feel like I was crazy. Until eventually I figured it out and I'm like, I'm not the one. Tis not I. I will fucking catch you. Give me time. When he's a fucking PI, I'm a fucking PI. Anyway. Um, so, yeah, so anyways, he explains that to, to her. He says that I don't trust anyone, especially women. Eek. <laughs> 
And she says, you cannot think that every woman is bad. He says, I don't think all women are bad. It's just that they have to earn my trust. And he explains to her in this moment, takes on the opportunity, he says, this is why I get a little frustrated because like the best way for you to earn my trust is if we talk about the issues that I have or you have or whatever, but you always think that we're talking about the past and you don't allow it. He just wants to know if she regrets any of her actions. That's important to him. She understands. And then she ends up saying, so the, the messages that I sent to your dad, it was wrong. I'm sorry. And he's very shocked because he says, like, it's really hard for her to apologize. Um, so he really appreciates the apology. He then says, can I walk you home? And they, they, he does. And they also do that hand in hand. She allowed him to hold her hand. So in the next scene, they're going to be going on a tour on a double decker um, to take in the city. And he's going to be leaving um, very soon, I think in two days. Um, so they're on the double-decker, they're moving around, blah, blah, blah. And she gets hit by bike branches. But in, when that happens, she like grabs a leaf, so whatever. She tells him that she hopes that he can trust her more like after he goes back and he says well we have come very far and she agrees and he feels you know what since things are going so well let me ruin it <laughs> and he tells her like i still have insecurities but to be honest i did talk to a pi but i didn't hire him i was going to but i didn't do it and I thought, okay, here's the thing. He probably had no choice but to tell her because she's going to find out anyway. But I didn't wonder what you had told her if you knew she wouldn't find out. I don't know. But, yeah. So after we tell her this, there is nothing but silence. But then she says... You don't have the right to do that in Vietnam. I said, girl, we don't have the right to do that anywhere else either. Okay. And she says, you know what? We're not good for each other. And she says that she doesn't feel comfortable anymore. He tries to say some bull fucking shit about, you know, in my country, this is what we do. It's common. We check up on people the fuck are you talking about? It's not fucking common. It's un, I won't say it's uncommon, but it's not the right way to do things either. So don't fucking sit here and gaslight the fuck out of fucking Violet now and say, this is what we do in the States. No, no, it's not. You're fucking lying. It's not something you do yeah, sure, maybe you'll do a Google search on somebody or maybe you'll, you know, check them up on Credit Karma or something. I don't know. Maybe you'll do that shit. Fine. But hiring a PI 
that's fucking extreme because they dig. As long as you pay, they dig. And that's not what the fuck he was going to be doing. He was going to have her fucking followed. You full of shit. That's not fucking normal. Anyway, she says that she doesn't feel good. And now she just wants him to go home. I said, me too. (laughs) She feels like the relationship can't develop any further. And she tells him to just be quiet now. Don't talk anymore. And he says, yes, ma'am. And I said, damn. I mean, I, I get her being upset. She has every right to be upset. Anyway, that is it for Riley and Violet. Next, we have Amanda and Rosvin. I think this is the last couple. Okay. So he kind of goes up back to the room and I can't remember if he said this in this in the moment or to Amanda, but he says he's never argued with someone like this before. He asks, like, what are your true feelings about us? And she says, obviously I care and I love you, but we are just different. And she explains to him what that means because he does ask her. And she says, like, providing for your family like would you work as like a janitor you know while chasing your dreams and he just got a little frustrated here and a little defensive because i don't disagree with her here um so i do understand this but he says i don't want your money i've asked for anything in my life not even my parents And she says, you're missing my point. And he says, tell me then. And she says, nothing. She says, nothing. Um, But then he says, you feel you need someone with stability, like Jason. And he says, I told you what I am before. And I said, that's all I needed to know. As long as she knew prior, then what the fuck are you complaining about? And she does say, like, well, like, I thought I could handle it. And I said, and I thought the fucking moon was made out of cheese. That doesn't mean it's fucking right. (laughs) Oh, God. I didn't actually think the moon was made out of cheese. That's fucking ridiculous. Anyway, um, she apologizes for hurting him. Says it's not her fucking attention. Um... She says, you know, after Jason, I wanted you to be the right person, but maybe we're just not right for each other. Hold on to that. He says, it's not fair for you to do this to me. He tells her, you told me so many different things. And she says, because I felt that way and he says, no, you didn't. And I said, agreed. She was always fucking with him. Obviously, with all the spoilers come out, like, she, her husband was still alive and she started talking to her husband. Anyway. I mean, I don't, I don't know. It's just, she's full of shit. Um, 
he doesn't understand what he did wrong. And I said, you didn't do anything wrong. Don't start blaming yourself because this bitch can't get her shit together. And and again, I I don't want to sound horrible because I know she went through a traumatic thing. I don't wish that on anybody, not even her. But you needed to deal with your shit before you try to get into another relationship. That's where I have the problem. She says, maybe I am just scared to be in a relationship. Um, she says, you know, moving on without Jason is also clearly making her feel scared. Um, she never expected to be in a situation, and that is 100% understandable. No one, I think, ever thinks they'll be in a position like this. Um... She said, maybe I make excuses to just make up, um, you know, a reason for us to break up. And I said, that is so fucking insightful because I think the same fucking thing, been saying the same fucking thing. So it's very interesting to see her actually like come to that conclusion on her own. And um, he says to her, like, you told me last night you wanted to leave do you still want to leave? And she says, do you want me to? And he says, nope, I am not going to say that. You have to tell me. You need to figure out what you want. And I have to do the same. So he says, so that being said, we're going to go back to Bucharest. And yeah, so that's what they're doing. They're heading back. Um, he says he feels very lost and confused. He doesn't know if they're going to be together or breaking up. So the next scene, they are in the car. And she asks, as they're driving, what are you thinking? And this man, this poor man, is so fucking defeated. He puts his hands up in the air and he just brings his hands back down and honks the horn. And I said... What the f- I think that's his way of saying, what the fuck do you think I'm thinking? Like, you know, he says like he, he's just tired. He can't tell her he still wants a relationship. She thought she was going to end things. Okay. She says in her in the moment, um, but she says that my past trauma is an issue and she says she doesn't want to be with him. She says that she realizes that it was more difficult than she thought it would be to start, you know, this new chapter. And I said, yeah, if you took even one fucking session of grief counseling, they could have fucking told you that. Of course, it's not going to be fucking easy. I can't imagine... I never want to imagine having to go through what she's going through. But like, you didn't do the fucking work. Instead, you jumped into a new fucking relationship before your fucking husband was even passed on. Anyway. Um, she says, I don't want us to break up. So stem one of them, I'm not sure which, but I'm thinking him says it's not right. Oh no, she says it. She's the one that says this. It's not right that I did this to you. That is what she says. And um, 
they're supposed to be going to his parents tomorrow to meet them. Good luck to you. She says she wants to stay and she wants to work on things. And he says, okay then. He doesn't sound very optimistic. And she kind of goes to like hold his arm. Um, and he kind of says in his in the moment that he it, it's hard to let her go. And he doesn't want to cancel the trip. At this point, they're actually, I think, in his apartment now, but it's still like in the moment. Um, yeah, he doesn't want he doesn't want to cancel the trip. Um, and they go to sit on the bed and she just holds him and she's kissing on him. And I felt in this moment like something tells me this man doesn't want to be fucking touched by you or anyone really. So why don't you respect his space? But he does say that he feels like he's starting to shut down. Um, yeah, I, I don't blame him. It's not productive, but I don't blame him. Um, she said he is not, or he says that she said to him that he is not half the man that Jason was. And he says that there are just some things you can't take back. And I said, that would be one of them. Like, why would you say that to somebody? I mean, I'm sure Jason was a great guy. May he rest in peace. But like, I don't know how great this guy was if he was like dating a woman who was 17. Whoops, sorry. Girl, child, who was 17 years old. He can't be that fucking great. (laughs) No person is that fucking perfect. Maybe he's perfect to you and that's fine. That's okay. I'm not, again, like going against that. But respect the fact that you know, there's just, everyone is entitled to be treated with respect, the bare fucking minimum. And she's not doing that. She then says to him, you know, as he is going to go shower, she stops him. She says, I know you're mad, but if you want to be with me, you can't just stay like this. And he's like, the fuck he can watch him do it. Are you fucking kidding me? It's the same fucking day he's allowed to be mad and his feelings let him do it. All of this fight started because you want french fries at 3 p.m. You, 3 a.m. You fucking entitled Karen. <laughs> if that's, it's not really a Karen in this case, but like, are you kidding me? Entitlement of this bitch. Anyway, let's continue. She says that she knows it takes time. But I'm putting in the effort. Are you? Two seconds ago, you're ready to break up with him. What fucking effort? Um. Anyway, she says, and I hope you do too. <sighs> then she kisses his arm, and I felt in this moment you're fucking love bombing him, and it's actually giving me acid reflux. Like. This is ridiculous. Like I'm actually watching you love bomb him. Um, in the in the moment, she says that he's being very cold and not showing any affection um towards her. And I said, Of course not. He's upset. Um, and she says, Life does not give you two loves like this. And he is her second love. She doesn't want to lose that. And I said, well, 
then stop sabotaging the relationship or at least get the fucking help that you need and deserve to have after the passing of your husband and the father of your children. Anyway, that's it for Amanda and Rosvin for this week. Next time on, we see Nicola is rubbing Misha with mud on her body. Um, he uh, dances, but she's completely turned off by it. Um, Statler meets Dempsey's friends, and her friend basically, I think, towards Statler says, there's some codependency. And on the way back, I guess, or maybe on the way there, we don't know, Statler says that she needs to have her person next to her all the time. And I wrote, ew, I love my man, but I don't need him up my ass. No thanks. Um, Amanda and Rosvin, they're going to meet his family. Cleo says Christian invited another person to Thanksgiving. She's telling Jane this. Um, obviously Jane's going to come in hard on him. And he says that, you know, I'm feeling judged for being myself. And then, yeah, you are, because it's fucking weird. Um, and then we see David proposing, or they're trying to make it look like he did. Maybe he doesn't propose, but yeah, that is the end of the the episode for B90. So if you like what you heard, please follow Reality Tea Times 2 on any of your favorite podcast apps so that you don't miss a single episode. Please make sure you also share the podcast with everyone in your life. You can also rate and review us on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you are an avid YouTube user, you can listen to us on YouTube at Reality TE Times 2. If you want to connect with us, you can do so by following us on either Facebook, Instagram, or threads at Reality TE Times 2. You can also email us at Reality TE Times 2 at hotmail.com. We have a website where you can listen to all of these episodes, as well as get links to our Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube pages. And that is at realitytimes2.aludu.com. All of that information will be in our show notes. Well, that's it for now, guys. Thanks. Bye. you ever thought of starting your very own podcast? Doing the research, I found something that would have made editing easy and seamless and makes the podcasting experience just that much easier. And I am talking about Ludo. This is a podcast software that I use for editing of our episodes. It is amazing. It is easy. You're also able to get help from chat, doing chats 
and getting the information that maybe you just need a little more help with. They also have access to different articles that can also help you that have been just godsends for me. Also with Aludu, you can create clips, you can do your ads, that's just like this very one I'm doing right now, and you can create your trailer very seamlessly just by the clicks of buttons. You can also use Aludu to publish your episodes just straight from the software. It's so easy. I highly, highly recommend it. You can get access to Aludu by using our unique link, which you can find our show notes just down there at the bottom at the show notes. And you can get access to an easy software. Mm-hmm.